0: Welcome to the first cut podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman and this is your round one reaction pod for the U (laughs) S open. That's right. The U S open is here and joining me to break it all down. I've got Mark Immelman here. Hey Mark, how's it going?
1: I'm on vacation. Things are going great, man. South <laughs> African World Cup soccer t shirt on. I've been watching golf the whole day. I even logged onto your strokes gained uh, leaderboard there for a while, but then I was like, can't be dealing with this. And I just watched some more golf. So <laughs>
0: there you go. You're on vacation. Don't, don't think too much about it. And I've also got Doug Bell joining us. Doug, welcome. Thanks for being here. And how about that Thursday at Wingsfoot? Wow. It was wild, Rick. Um,
2: I I did also log on to your strokes gain thing and (laughs) it was very confusing.
0: Um, I
2: kept trying to follow it and I'm like squinting. I'm like, I need to just go back and start watching and let Rick explain it later. But um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Unprecedented dead at Wingfoot. I never thought I'd see all these low scores. Crazy, crazy opening round.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about it. Right. I mean, the storyline all week long was this course is going to be difficult. The winning score is going to be five over par. Uh, I was promised carnage, Doug, on on Twitter. I was (laughs) promised it. Uh, And and I will say this. I mean, the course did still play two and a half strokes over par on Thursday. It was not easy, but not maybe what we were expecting out of the game.
2: Yeah, you know, when you go to past history, uh, Jeff Ogilvie was plus five. Hale when the massacre at Wingfoot, was plus seven. Uh, Billy Casper, when he won there, laid up at the long par three, four days in a row because it was such a hard hole. Yeah, we were expecting uh, really just carnage. They're throwing that word out there. But, you know, it was interesting. Paul Azinger mentioned at least four times that the USGA set it up uh, more conservatively today because it got dark earlier. Here we are in September and they wanted to get the field through. And so I texted a friend of mine who's a longtime USJ official. He does all the tournaments where I live in the state of Alabama, and he's up at Wingfoot. And he responded, and he said, yeah. He goes, yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. And he said, but, kind getting a lot tougher this weekend. But, <laughs> but what Azinger was saying was accurate. Uh, today, the hole locations were much, much easier. And listen, it's still Wingfoot, right? But they were easier today than they're going to be.
0: And there were certainly big numbers out there. If you were out of position, there were double bogeys or triple bogeys staring you in the face, Mark. And and, and that point about the daylight, I mean, we had heard – earlier in the week, like 90% of the work is being done by the maintenance crew in the dark, just because we don't have those long (laughs) summer hours in the Northeast, like we might in a normal year. So I I guess the way to, are we, are we just expecting this to kind of play similarly on Friday? I know the weather's going to be a little bit different, but also when they, when they cut this down and they've only got, you know, however many guys make it through and, you know, 60 and ties uh, do we start to see it get ramped up on the weekend?
1: I would think so, um, but, but to Doug's point, a lot of the hole locations were easy, okay? But if those greens are a click firmer and a little bit faster, those easy hole locations aren't easy because then approach shots aren't sticking where they're landing. Because how many balls did you see where the ball would actually dig into the green, jump forward, take some spin, and even not by using the cambers of the green? So, so for me, yes, they can switch those sub errors on on Friday evening, but really to get a leg up on this thing, because um, you're going to need some wind and a whole bunch of sunshine. There was barely any today. It was over, overcast skies most of the day. So all the moisture was holding the golf course. So you've got a soft place. They're going to have to switch on those sub areas tomorrow if they want it firm and fast in the weekend. But really, is the way it's playing right now. Because if they're concerned about getting a full field in, we're going to see the same thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a similar soft setup and I'm not so sure they can get this place real fiery by Saturday afternoon, maybe Sunday. Maybe Sunday you might see the carnage, you might see the massacre. But but the truth of it is, to me, it was just really receptive greens. I mean, those greens were soft. It was target practice if you were playing from the fairway, and if you give a PGA Tour player a a number where they know the ball's going to land and be somewhere close to that, uh, they're going to have a field day. The only time you saw the balls really bound through greens and stuff as if players were coming out of the rough. Um so so I thought it was very fair. I thought it's still a good challenge but but a soft greens uh, th- that's uh, that's a happy hunting ground for a PGA tour.
0: <laughs> it is a happy hunting ground and there were a couple of big names who took advantage of it early Doug Bell, Justin Thomas goes out in cards, six birdies and a bogey. I watched I think I saw maybe every shot Justin Thomas hit. Yeah. It was Tactical. I mean, I, I can't remember him getting in too much trouble at any moment. It just felt like he was in complete control.
2: Yeah, you know, his iron play is still considered, uh, what, top two or three on the PGA Tour. And today was exceptional. And I think when you throw out your numbers, Rick, uh, I think he, like, gained six shots on the field. Strokes gained he did. Uh, approach shots. I mean, that's that's an impressive. The thing about Justin Thomas, uh, you know, he does have a major championship. But the one thing that has kind of held him back... Um, and I saw it at Eastlake just a couple of weeks ago. He does spray the driver or the three wood, whatever he's hitting off the tee. He sprays it around a bit and, and needs to be more accurate. And today he was, he gave himself a lot of chances. And when you give a, a player of that caliber, uh, you know, it starts off on the tee and then obviously he's a great iron player. And then today the putter was hot, Rick. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't seen that in a while. And I talked to Justin two weeks ago at Eastlake. And he told me he'd never played Wing Foot in competition, but he said, I love the place. I've been up there playing with Tiger in some practice rounds. He goes one of my favorite golf courses I've ever played. And I think we saw that today. Um, listen, five under sets him up for, <laughs> for he, he can make some mistakes now over the next few days. I mean,
1: what a great opening round for Justin Thomas. It certainly was, Doug. And just to build on that real fast, you, um, you use the term tactical, Rick. His comments afterwards to me were fascinating because he said his warm up wasn't as good as what he would would have liked it to be going into a major championship. So he gets out on the golf course, not that sure where the golf ball is going to go, and he hits a few balls on the button, but you could see a U.S. Open-style approach out of him. He, he, he didn't go after a number of shots. He took advantage where he could, but he sort of picked birdies off, and, and, and he played the golf course in, in a real championship, sort of Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods kind of a vein. And, and I think... Sometimes, in many respects, for the, the tour player, especially in a difficult major, the worse your warm up is, the more you get out there kind of with a little bit of defense in mind. And it looked like he did for a while. And then he, he picked up a birdie early, then gave it back. But then from there, just, just sort of let the round come to him. And it was very patient, it was clinical. And, and, and I was highly impressed. Not at the, Look, the score is great, but just the way he put it together to me was I was like, wow, this is a guy that is doing major championship stuff right now.
0: It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we, we saw a 66 from Patrick Reed early in the day, Doug, and this was kind of a bit of a, a different story. And I don't know how well this projects the rest of the week because Patrick Reed hit five fairways <laughs> on Thursday, which is usually not a recipe for success around winged foot. And then he, oh, by the way, one hops in yeah. an ace on number seven. So that goes a long way. But I, wh- you know, whether you want to say, does this look s- well statistically moving forward, Patrick Reed is the type of guy that I'm not sure it matters. Like he just finds a way to be involved, finds a way to put his name in, in contention. And you're, you always have to talk about him.
2: You know, it was funny um, when he finished, uh, he held the record for the lowest first round in U.S. Open history at Wingfoot. And then Justin Thomas, 10 minutes later, beats the record. Um, but, yeah, it really was a phenomenal day uh, as far as getting up and down. And, and, listen, I've always considered Tiger the best grinder I've ever seen walking around out there. I've never seen a guy with such intensity turning over par rounds into even par under par rounds. But Patrick Reed is number two. I mean, this guy, uh, he plays hard, especially on difficult golf courses. And you hit five fairways and you do what he did today, that was remarkable. He had a double bogey on the card, too. Yeah. You know, his his sponsor in his golf bag is Grind Matters. That's the <laughs> company that makes his golf clubs. Yeah. And it's so apropos because grind does matter when it comes to Patrick Reed. Not the longest, certainly not the straightest. Hits that right-to-left shot, and most of the guys hit left-to-right. Winkfoot, though, the right-to-left kind of works yeah. uh, a little bit more than some of these other golf courses. But I thought it was very impressive. I, I, I can't wait to see what he does in round two because after you have a round like that, where you work so hard and you come up with such a low score, I want to see what he does in round two, because he's going to have to grind it out again.
1: Well, look, I, I'm not trying to make, uh, you know, sunshine and lollipops out of nothing here, because you can't play out of missing fairways. But the one thing that is bad for a PGA Tour player is if you see a guy missing in two directions. We saw it out of Phil, we saw it out of Tiger, Jordan Spieth, heaven forbid. Uh, but Patrick Reed, from my recollection, Rick, I'm sure you've got a number that can back this up, most of these misses off the tee were to the left. And so he's got one direction going on. And, and, and when you give a player of his sort of caliber that can really grind it out to Doug's point, if you give him something he can, he can sort of aim, you know, he's going to find his way around there. But if you're on the tee and you like just covering all ports of New York, New York <laughs> State, it's a difficult deal. So, so I think in as much as what is a, a grind, I don't think it's that big a deal going forward because he's got one area he needs to iron out but if you're unsure and it's coming out of both barrels, then it's a different deal entirely. And then I can, I can sort of forget, then I can say, look, five fairways is a problem. One directional miss, uh, you know, it's it's gonna be challenging, but you can manage. So we've got Justin Thomas
0: at the top of the leaderboard. Patrick Reed is in contention, and we deserve this in 2020. Rory (laughs) McIlroy has injected his name onto this leaderboard, and Doug, we'll start with you. Uh, Again, very impressed with Rory. He goes out in 32. He hits, what, 15 out of 18 of his greens. He had the putter rolling there for a while on the front nine. I think the bigger thing with Rory is – It feels like, in recent memory, he's kind of played himself out of majors on Thursdays, right? And for him to be already in the thick of it, we know he's got the staying power.
2: Yeah, it's been a long time, though. Remember when he won those four majors? It's like, oh my gosh, all he needs is the Masters to complete the Grand Slam. But wait a minute, that was a long time ago. And so you're right, he hasn't been in contention. But the number that is important for Rory today is one. One bogey. Four Mm. birdies, one bogey. I mean, that's, that's playing pretty strong around wing foot when you can manage that place with just one blemish on the card. So it was a great start for Rory. I mean, he hasn't got out of the gates that quickly in a long, long time. And we talked a lot about the, uh, having the baby at East Lake, the tour championship. And he even spoke about, it was weighing on him leading into the tour championship. And you know what, let's take him for his word. Maybe that really was on his mind. And, and now he's freed up. And what I saw today was a golfer who man alive, if if Rory can putt like that, um, look out. Look out for McElroy.
1: You know, I've said it, and I've said it on this podcast before, and Carl's given me grief for the fact goes, if Rory drives the ball and he leads the field strokes gained off the tee, he's going to win. And we've seen that he's led the field strokes gained off the tee, and he misses putts that mean something. Even on a Thursday, he gets behind the eight ball, and he plays too aggressive, and the next thing he trips himself up further, and then all of a sudden it's a bridge that's just too far, even for a thoroughbred like him. And what he did today, the ball striking off the tee was beautiful. Iron game was well-controlled. Never looked to me like he tried to over-hit an iron club. And there was also an element of defense about him after a conversation with Nick Fowler, incidentally. But then the key was he made putts that meant something. He made a few saves, you know, because he hit 15 greens, so that's three greens missed. He's two of three scrambling. If you're two of three scrambling for the rest of the week, and you, Rory McIlroy? <laughs> yeah. I will put there, okay. That's, be-
0: the, that's the caveat. And you're Rory McIlroy. <laughs> I guess he can make that work. Well, it is the best of both worlds, Mark, because he's second in the field off the tee and also rolled a bunch of putts in, which is yeah. like, that's a, that's a deadly combination. Tiger Woods. The big cat. Um, Doug, I had to squint to find some pars on this scorecard. I, I mean, he had a bunch of circles. He had a bunch of squares. It's interesting because to me, Tiger is uh, he's such a momentum player, right? When he gets it yeah. going, he's hard to stop. When he doesn't have it going well, it's kind of hard to flip for him. And he, and he started off poorly. He two of his first five holes. Then he had that stretch from 9, 10 to 11, three birdies in a row. And you're saying, all right, get this in the clubhouse. Make one more coming in. And then the wheels fell off a little bit. He bogeys 17. He double bogeys 18. And at the end of the day, it's a three over 73.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, Rick, I, I love reading all your stuff about the numbers. And in 21 U.S. Open starts prior to this week, his opening round scoring average was 72.43. So he goes out today and shoots 73. So that's <laughs> right. kind of what Tiger's done now for two decades, right? Uh, Could have been better. But you have to go back to 2012 the last time that Tiger Woods opened with a round in the sixties in the United States open. Um, I mean, you know, and when they introduced him on the tee today, I watched, I watched every shot. I mean, I was glued to the, the monitors, right. And they introduced some, you know, three U S open titles, but the last one was 2008. So, yeah. so again, uh, Tiger's not the tiger of old. We know that. And it reminds me, and I use a baseball analogy, He's like like the pitcher who used to throw 100 miles an hour and strike everybody out, and then he had Tommy John surgery and he came back, and now he throws off-speed stuff. He throws curveballs and he throws, you know, he, he he positions his ball, throws it up there, tries to the full hitters, and that's kind of what Tiger is. He, he's not the same player he was, and when you have it at a place like Winkfoot, as difficult as this golf course is, um, I think he could. I think he could make the cut. Uh, he's going to have to shoot another round similar to that, to what he did in round one and round two. But uh, to think that Tiger – and listen, he's 73, he's eight back, right? Round one, there's plenty of time. But I don't think the, the modern-day Tiger is capable
1: of coming back from eight back uh, at a U.S. Open. Mm. Here's where it stands, and I might need to click to look at the, the, the card so I don't make a mistake on the numbers here. But remember, he had a putt on the 12th hole for four, four birdies in a row. Yep, yep. And everyone is like, whoa, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, that was
0: me. That was my exact quote.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Left hole location on path three, the 13th. He misses that left. No chance from in there makes bogey. And then there was a tee shot on the following hole. I think it was 14. Yeah, it's 14. He sets up there with fairway metal, and he looks like he's trying to hit it down the left and hit one of those sting cuts into the fairway. Well, the thing starts off at the left bunker, like it should, and it misses in the right bunker. So that ball, flying low, has curved, what, 30 yards in the air? So all of a sudden, I look at this, I'm like, nah, that's not good. (laughs) He's he's trying not to miss it left, but he's curving the thing too far to the right-hand side. So he makes bogey there. The following hole, he blows one way right, and all of a sudden, you could sort of see that he was keeping things together a little bit, and all of a sudden, that heel cut sort of exposed the thing a little bit, and then from there, it just got downright messy, and I saw... I mean, that pitch shot up eighteen. There was visions of Phoenix from a few years ago. Mm, wow, from over there. But but you know, remember the Jeff Ogilvie pitch shot? You have got to be able yeah. to bounce that thing in the in the hill and and really nip the wedge onto there. He stuck the leading edge in the ground. Ball comes up short, makes double. But again, he was nearly four run uh, four four birdies in a row, and then all of a sudden things sort of got waylaid. So I, I was the thing that jumps out to me, and it was concerning, was that sting three wood. Up fourteen, that started left and missed the fairway and the bunkers on the right, and, and, and that 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 was like that was a warning sign for me. <laughs> If you like the numbers, Tiger had one of his best putting rounds
0: in recent memory, gained over two and a half strokes on the greens, lost in all three other categories. So we'll see how he does on Friday. Real quick, gentlemen, on Jordan Spieth, because we're going to give Kyle Porter the floor uh, at some point this week to kind of go over this. But there was a a comment he made in his post-round presser, Doug, that was, I mean, he literally said, I want to make sure I get this quote right. Um I it's standing on a tee at the U S open and not exactly knowing where the ball is, where the ball is going to go is not a great feeling. <laughs> That's that
2: says it all. Yeah, Rick, it does. Um, I listened to that whole post round press conference and was amazed. Number one, how honest he is yeah. this day and age. Athletes are so full of cliches and, and they don't want to be honest. They want to just say what you want to want him to say. Right. And he was completely honest I mean, he brought it all down. I mean, I, I, I felt I, – I I was really sad after I heard that interview. I know he's struggling, but I didn't know it was this bad. Um, I guess the only positive is that – and the positive that he took out of it, somehow he managed three over. And, yeah. you know, maybe tomorrow he can he can do a little bit better, but I, I don't know. I've, I've never in, – in modern times now, I've never seen an athlete in any professional sport that honest uh, just – it's all out there, man. I'm struggling. I don't know where, I don't know where I'm at. And I, you just never hear a professional
1: athlete, certainly of his caliber, uh, be that honest. That's the thing, Doug, what you just said. You know, people were concerned about the second half of the quote. The thing that jumped out to me was he's like, I really don't know what I'm doing. And It's like, I don't know where to turn next. And once again, there was Spieth Gates because everyone on the Golf Central desk was talking about Jordan still grinding it like, 5.30 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon before a major championship. Mm. Because it looks to me like it's just no idea what we're supposed to do with a golf swim. And that is, I feel for Jordan. I tell you what, I feel for Cameron McCormick. Me, an instructor, the worst place to be is on the hot seat like that. Wow. Because you've got a guy now who's not playing well, who's expecting to be one of the top-tier players. He doesn't know where it's going. And now you're like, what do I do that's going to help that's not invasive it helps some confidence and this all of this concentration and, and and sort of forecasting in your mind on the go. It's just a horrible spot. And yes, Spieth vocalizes the thing, which makes McCormack feel even McCormick feel even worse because now he's always going, I don't know what we're doing. I mean that that is I, I get goosebumps, man. It's a horrible place. Yeah.
0: It, it's you know, I think it's it's so interesting because a lot of these guys, and I, I'm already giving this more time than I wanted to, Producer Jacob, sorry, but like this is, it, you know, these guys are so uber confident, right? And we see the guys who, when they hit a bad putt, they'll find something else to blame. They'll tap down a, a spike mark, Doug. They'll they'll find some reason, you know, that every single one of these golfers, or a lot of them think they're the best guy on the planet at all times. And to hear, to hear it, like it, it, was, it was, it was, I don't know. Yeah, it, goosebumps is a good word. It, it, it was sad.
2: It was raw. It, it really was raw honesty. And, and when he described the one shot that went in the tree and didn't come down, I yeah. thought, oh gosh, that was really sad. And as he said, he goes, normally it bounces down. You find it, I can get up and down. He goes, we get stuck in the tree. So things are so bad, even the golf gods aren't smiling yeah. at Jordan Speeds right now. No, it's, I, I don't, I can't recall another athlete that's ever been that open about problems. And, and you know, the thing is, if he wasn't such a, such a great young man, right? I mean, he's just, he's an outstanding guy. And that's why I kind of feel really, really sad about the fact that he's going through this. And, and the fact that he probably had his, you know, his first three years out there were phenomenal. Yeah. And obviously it's going to be very, very difficult to ever get back to that form.
1: Well, look, you bring up a good point and I'll put a bow on it like that. You know, you've been on the top of the mountain. Now you're at the lowest of lows. And here's the complete quote. Uh, someone asked him about working on tempo and timing. And Jordan Spieth goes, there's a lot that's off. I, I'm really not sure if I knew I'd fix it. I'm (laughs) kind of just working through it and looking forward to having a little more time off to figure it out. Mm. I mean, he's saying to you, "Is like, I don't know what's going on here. I have got no idea what's going on. When I stand on a tee, it's just calling all pockets over here and we're just swinging and playing from where it lands. It's it's a hard place to be.
0: Mm. All right, I want to talk about the afternoon wave and maybe figure out a couple of guys who might be making a move over the next three days. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners.
3: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool, it's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. The afternoon wave, gentlemen.
0: Things were—I don't know if they actually played more difficult or not. I can pull this up here, but uh, the the maybe the most notable round uh, is Phil Mickelson's crazy, insane seventy-nine. Doug and I mean, we we know the storylines. This is the the place he's in, not only the event that he's had the most heartbreak at the the yeah. the course that he's had the heartbreak at the ones the one thing he needs for the career grand slam. Um, but we also know the other side of it, which is Phil's now 50. He misses a lot of fairways and that can be problematic. I mean, it was, it was all over the place for Phil on, on Friday.
2: Yeah, it, it was, um, the Amstel light commercials. It is Amstel light, right? They're great. Um, I don't know, but they are great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, they're really funny. I think that's the beer they were talking about and, and that's terrible that you don't know. Uh, but yeah, th- those are really good. Um, yeah, Phil's, Phil's his game isn't – obviously, he, he's not good enough right now to win a U.S. Open at 50. And we know that. That was on display today. Uh, he's still, still a very talented guy for 50. He's just not good enough to win a major championship at a place like Wingfoot. Um, and listen, Sam Snead uh, can never win the U.S. Open. Uh, Arnie can never win the PGA. Uh, Tom Watson can never win the PGA. Lee Trevino can never win the Masters. It happens. The greatest of the greats. Uh, most of them have a little hole in the resume and unfortunately for Phil he'll go down in history with six runner-ups um eight top fives ten top tens in the United States opening and I, he's played uh, you know more than 30 of them so uh, it's just one of those things but today you know and we talked about how sad it was to, to listen to Jordan I felt bad for Phil uh, you know it's it's come to a point where I, I mean and you could hear the audio going I'm you know a couple of times he said I'm so tired of this you know he's hitting a bad shot he goes I'm so tired of this and you could just feel the frustration. So I kind of feel bad for one of the all-time
0: greats. He's going to miss the cut. Uh, But man, those commercials are good. The commercials are good. Uh, Mark, it was kind of crazy because he misses the fairway on one and two and makes birdie on both. And I'm going, oh, no. Like, is have the stars aligned? Uh, is What is going to happen this week at Wingsfoot? And, and it never, you know, he puts those two in his pocket that he probably stole, and then it, it didn't get any better. He hit two fairways all day. Mm. And that is just putting yourself in such a, a difficult position. I mean, you got it's, it's
1: unbelievably hard. Well, if you were, if, if one was truly paying attention, when you got the, the roving cams image down the fairway of Phil in a bunker or Phil in the rough, you could see playing partners way, way out, <laughs> like 30, 40 out in front of him. So it's not just that he was missing fairways, they were not just crooked, they were short and crooked. And for a guy who professed that he's hitting bombs and stuff and hellacious seeds and these things, you know, it was just. It it was again, a guy that really wasn't finding the face of the club, you know, because if you hit it flush and offline, then he can get something shorter in his hand, but he was hitting it short and miss hitting it. And then they crooked as well. So then you're playing out of the rough and the bunkers with long irons and stuff. So it it was just a bridge too far, especially even for someone as gifted as a Phil Mickelson. Mm. And it wasn't even hit, uh, just missing fairways either, or just
0: coming up short on your approach shots. He lost <laughs> over four strokes putting. Only mm. Davis Riley was worse on Thursday. Wow. So that is a recipe for a 79. Let's talk about some positive stuff. Yeah. Let's talk. Okay, we've done speed, we've done Phil. Let's get into the positives. We've got a couple of guys who are very interesting who have injected themselves near the top here. Thomas Peters and Matthew Wolf, both four under par. And Doug, we'll start with you on this. You know, Matthew <laughs> Wolf. You know, I'm big in the fantasy and the the handicapping and all that stuff. And I get a lot of questions about Matthew Wolf. And I've been trying to say it's hard to kind of figure out what he is because I think he's maturing so quickly. Like, I I can't look at a full year's worth of data on him because I think he's getting better like each and every month. And we're seeing him near the top of leaderboards more and more often. And here he goes out four under par uh, in round one at the U.S. Open. This kid really seems to be maturing quickly.
2: Yeah, just a baby, uh, 21. Um, you know, at the beginning of the week, um, I had 14 guys who I thought had a legitimate chance of winning the United States Open. He was not one of them. Uh, Thomas Peters, I'd forgotten he was even around. Uh, yeah. Lee Westwood was certainly not on the radar screen. And Rory Sabatini, oh, my gosh, uh, he wasn't up there either. But I, I think of those guys that I just named, Matthew Wolf certainly has a lot more upside. And there's a long way to go in the United States Open. But the way he hits it, uh, you know, he hits it so far, he has that, uh, you know, pound it down there and just gouge it out of the rough mentality like we saw Bryson and some of these other guys. But today he was hitting it really straight. Uh, So so maybe he's found something. A long way to go. He was in a comfortable pairing with Ricky Fowler. uh, And I know he loves playing with Ricky. And Ricky played pretty good himself. Uh, So we'll see. I I love these young guys with great upside. And you're right, Rick. um, He's just a baby. He's just (laughs) scratched the surface of what could be an outstanding career that we get so far ahead of ourselves, right? I mean, this guy's been around for two years. Yeah. I mean, come on, we, we need to give him a little time to breathe, but it would be pretty exciting if um, with that crazy golf swing, he was there late on a Sunday. It,
0: it would be fun uh, to introduce him to introduce himself to the the golfing world yeah. that way. Uh, Mark, I think Doug hits a really interesting point. And one thing that happens a lot on Thursdays, there's a lot of golf left. Uh, you know some of these names, a lot of these names that are at the top of the leaderboard. Tom uh, Thomas Peters, Matthew Wolf. You know Lee Westwood's up here. There's we've got a <laughs> Lee Westwood sighting on a Thursday. Uh, there's a lot of golf left. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. This this leaderboard could be inverted by the time we get to Sunday afternoon.
1: It certainly could. And just for the record, um, if Lee Westwood would win. Um, <laughs> it would be a bigger event for Immelman than I think it would be for Jordan Speed to come back and win for Carl Porter because we <laughs> the human beings in the world. Uh, anyways, but, but, but quickly to Wolf, 26 putts, you know, you've had 66 shots and 26 of those come with a putter. Wow. That is going to do you some favors. Mm-hmm. And the iron's good and stuff. And let's not forget with Matthew, he won his NCAAs at the blessings in Arkansas. And that place is just, it's going to whip you from shot number one through shot whatever, because it's difficult, it's demanding. It's the kind of place, kind of like wing foot, where if you put a foot wrong, it's going to bite you in the biggest way. And so he's proven that he can play well. Now, it was at a different level. That is not a major championship. But at that stage, it was the biggest championship he'd ever won. And he came through at a canter, at a difficult golf course, and hit all the shots he needed to. So he's proven to himself that he can do that. And the thing about Wolf, to me, is he's got just enough swagger to hang around. Mm -hmm. He's seen Morikawa do it, and he's beaten Morikawa. So he's like, well, if he can do it, there's no reason why I can't. And so this is how these guys think now because they they like you, Rick. They look at data. So they go, well, dang, if I hit 320 and hit 70, i got the leg up. If I'm strokes game, whatever, positive, and he's not, well, I've got the odds in my favor. So just pull the trigger. So there's that to bear in mind but to your point there's every likelihood this leaderboard will be flipped and, and i only feel like you'll really start getting a handle on where we are on fr- on saturday evening because that's when again they hand out checks and trophies on sunday <laughs> right now we're just positioning we're in the peloton and we've just kind of <laughs> pressed the first climb okay we're gonna a little sailing tomorrow morning then you're gonna hit the big mountains on friday Saturday it starts getting like this and then it's uphill and into the wind the whole way. We're not even to the Alps yet. We'll get there. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: All right. So, so who, who do we think can
0: make a move? I mean, Doug, there's a couple of big names here. I mean, Dustin Johnson was three over par on Thursday. Colin Morikawa, very uncharacteristic uh, 76 that he shot out there at winged foot. Daniel Berger, three over uh, Webb Simpsons, one over any of these guys, Can I sell you on any of these guys to make a move maybe on, on
2: Friday? Well, I mean, I I think they're all still in the game, but, but the guy I really like um, and I'm surprised you didn't mention him, Xander Shoffley. Yeah. Listen, I think, I think Rick, he's played in 10 majors leading into this week and he's top 10 in six of them. So this guy obviously likes the big stage, Um, you know, and I love Xander because when I interviewed him after the tour championship, You know, I said, hey, you got to be pleased. You know, he obviously beat Dustin Johnson with the aggregate score by four shots. And I said, you got to be pleased by the way you played. And he goes, please. He goes, I played my butt off. And he didn't say butt. And I I was like, wow. I mean, I I love this guy, you know. Uh, And and he, he plays tough golf courses really well. And he really doesn't have a weakness in his game. And he hasn't won. Well, he didn't win last season. I guess we're now in the start of a new season. So I kind of like Xander Schauffler. I think he's put himself in position, uh, and I think his game for the next 54 holes, uh, I don't think he's going to lose a lot of strokes, to the field. at least the guy that I saw at the Tour Championship and the guy I saw today.
0: And he likes to hit that right-to-left shot, doesn't he? You think that plays well around here.
2: Yeah, oh, there's no doubt, especially 17 and 18. Those things bend, and for DJ, eh, he doesn't like those things that bend right-to-left.
1: and Xander's my one-and-done pick. Okay. Can you, see <laughs> him? Can you see that video? All right. For the folks on YouTube, you see who that is? Is it Jocko? Who is it? Jacko Neiman. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. no. today, I, took, I took this video a few weeks ago, and I said, I have a sense that this guy and the way he drives it, that flat ball flight, the way he puts, he's just crea- he's creative. And you, we swim at Royal Melbourne, which is a place just like this, where there's all sorts of humps and hollows, and you've got creativity, and you can play off those sorts of things. I'm like, I think Jocko is for real. Hmm. So now he shoots two under today. So there's one I think you need to watch. And then I'm going to do this again. Has someone said anything about Brendan Todd shooting two under par once again <laughs> and being inside the top ten at a big event? Yeah, so I think Todd continues to build. I think Neiman does. I love the way Harris English looked today. And, and, and I'd keep an eye on Xandra. Those are the guys I'm looking for me tomorrow.
0: I love it. Um, I've run the supercomputer, and the name it spit out was Ricky Fowler, who wow. uh, is fifth in this field from T to green, and he lost nearly a stroke and a half putting. And what do we know about Ricky? He's a good putter. You're not mm. going to keep that down very long. He could be a guy uh, who could make a move.
1: Yes, Mark. Mark doesn't like it. Big guy, If you hit the ball, let's, <laughs> let's there's 18 holes, right? So. <laughs> 12 out of 18 greens in regulation, which is good striking around there, okay? Yep. And let's call two-thirds mm, two, th- two thirds of those in the right sections and then the rest of those in the wrong sections. I don't care how good a putter you are when you're putting with 15 feet worth of break up and over two valleys and down a slope to uh, through the clown's mouth and stuff. No, no, sorry. I, I, I can't be going where you're going over there.
0: By the way, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, and that's why this works. But I, I thought the coverage did... I thought they worked really hard to try to show the undulation on on the greens. And I still I still don't think that we got it Like I still feel like it's it's crazy like the average person unless you're out there unless you're seeing it um, Can't really get a grasp on it But I thought the coverage did a pretty good job of showing some of those crazy greens Did you see the Zach Johnson putt? Oh, yes, right played it
1: past the hole on one, right? <laughs> yeah, say no more and roll back it off. So that's the thing. Yes you can pick up strokes on the greens, but if you're hitting the ball in the wrong place, mm. and I this time and time again, not every five-footer is the same. Uh, you, you can't ascribe the same value to every five-foot putt, every 20-foot putt, whatever the case might be. I love it. I think that'll do it, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Doug Bell. You can find him on Twitter at
0: Doug Bell ESPN. That's Mark Immelman. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.